Welcome to the Resurrection Church Podcast. Resurrection Church exists for the glory of God and the joy of His people. If you're looking for a church in the upstate of South Carolina, please join us 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 900 North Main Street in Greer, South Carolina. We pray you'll be blessed by this message. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. If you're there, say amen. Sounds like most of you. Let's read. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of, prison, of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion portion they shall have everlasting joy for I the Lord love justice I hate robbery and wrong I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples all who see them shall acknowledge them and they they are an offspring the Lord has blessed I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall exult in my God For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you would, stay standing with me as we sing a song to just kind of put our hearts in the right posture this morning. Join with Stephen, join with me as we put our gaze on him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us
Father, that is, that is my desire. I know that's your desire for us today as we worship in your word. So, Father, lead us. Father, you're so faithful. I've been overwhelmed with the weight of this text, burdened, Father, that our hearts would feel the weight of the wages of our sin against a holy, righteous God, and that the weight would lead us to see you high and lifted up, worthy of all of our praise. Father, help me get out of the way. Fill me with your spirit today to proclaim your good news. Open the ears of those whom you have brought today, who I've been praying for. Father, that they would hear and that we would not leave the same as when we walked in. You're worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, have a seat. I'll just start with the fact that I'm so glad I don't have to do this all alone. If it wasn't for these two guys and Andy, I don't know where I'd be right now, but I wouldn't be where I am with this text. So we are blessed at Res to have a collaborative effort to really look at the word and divide it rightly. So thank you guys. In our Advent, we've given you some information in the back about the historical context. We hope you've picked it up. We hope you've read it. If you haven't, we'd ask that you get that on your way out. Today, we're not going to spend time on the historical context of Isaiah 61. There's just too much here. And I came to Stan and Bradley. I was like, I can't do it. Either I preach for two hours or we just focus on Isaiah 61. So we'd love for you to pick it up if you haven't read it. Uh, and remind yourself of the historical context. It is important, but we just want to dive in to what Isaiah 61 says. Justice, it's in all of us. Justice is something that is the nature of God. And he's given us that impulse in that heartbeat that we all want to see justice paid. The problem is, as we all know, here in this broken world, how is justice going to be paid by a broken system run by sinful people? We all see when there is an injustice, when a child is abused, when someone cons someone out of their hard-earned money, when someone breaks in and steals their prized possessions, we say, we want justice. Justice has to be served. We want the person who did the wrong, created the injustice, we want them to serve just the equal consequence, if not greater, than the one who suffered the guilt, the shame. So when we think of justice, what do we think of? What's the symbol? It's Lady Justice holding the scale, right? That's what we think of in the law and in lawyers. We think of Lady Justice, the scale. It, justice is a scale. When there's an agreement between two sides 
and one side doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, it tilts the scale. And the only way to get the scale back is the side that did the injustice has to pay the wages, the debt, the recompense for the injustice to be leveled back out. Well, the problem is, is all of creation, all of humanity has been crying for one injustice to be justified, and that is your sin, our sin, against a holy and righteous God. Justice must be served. It must be executed. Now I know, I know. Jonathan, we know the answer. We read the last page of the book. We have the Sunday school cheat code. I know the answer. I know the answer. Larry back there has already got his hand up. I know, I know who did it. I know who did it. I know who paid it. Let's don't rush there just yet, all right? How is the justice going to be paid? Who is going to pay it? That's what our text talks about today. So starting in verse 1, I just want to remind us that this is a poetical, prophetical text and I'm really going to challenge you to lean into the emotion of the text. Starting in verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive in the opening of the prison, to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isaiah says one thing right off the bat. We can't rush, rush past this. This is Super important. Isaiah says, I am filled, anointed, sent by the Spirit of the, God, of the Lord. That's the same Spirit that we know in Genesis 3 covered the waters of the earth. That's the same Spirit that filled Samson to defeat the Philistines. It's the same Spirit that gave David a heart after God. That same Spirit has now filled Isaiah to say something. You should have already scooted forward in your seat and been like, what is it, Isaiah? Obviously, this is important. You might just want to reach over with your left arm there and buckle your seatbelt because what he has to say is important. Who or what has Yahweh anointed him to say? If he's filled him, it must be important. What has he sent him to do? He sent him to proclaim which just means a joyous announcement. What has he announced him to do? Or what has he sent him to announce? Well, let's look back. Isaiah's announced a bunch of things. The problem is, is he's announced some things in some dark situations, right? Think about what Bradley tech, uh, talked about and what Stan's talked about. We already know that there's a group of people, the people of Judah, there's a Kings who are not following God and they're worshiping idols. That's what Isaiah has been speaking into. But now 
he's speaking into something far different. Must be exciting for Isaiah to do that because he comes to a people and what does he find? He finds them broken, poor in spirit, captive. Why? Why are they this way? What caused them to be poor in spirit? Well, see, the thing is, is God, when you see in your Bible, capital L-O-R-D, that means Yahweh, has made a covenant with his people, and the people have broken the covenant. They've sinned. There's an injustice, and the injustice requires wages to be paid for their sin. And they're feeling the weight of these wages. They're poor in spirit. They're afflicted. They're humbled. They're overwhelmed by their sin and the weight of this sin. What law did they violate? Maybe better said, what law did they not violate? Or I might say, what law have you not violated? Jesus said, if you keep the first commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. But if you break that one, you've broken all of them. They're broken. They're feeling hopeless, crushed, overcome with the weight of this wage of their sin. They're feeling bound, prisoner. Like, are we ever going to stop continuing to repeat this same sin it's important, Rez, that we feel the weight of this sin. It's not just the people of Judah. Do you feel, do you know the weight of your sin against a holy and righteous God? If we can't feel that, I might as well just go ahead and close my iPad, close my Bible, and walk off the stage because the rest of what we have to talk about doesn't matter. You've sinned against a holy and righteous God, and he demands justice because he is a just God. So now that we understand who Isaiah has been anointed to proclaim this good news to, what's the good news? What did he come to proclaim? Isaiah came to proclaim three things, the year of the Lord's favor, the day of the vengeance of God, and to comfort all who mourn. See, I think of this like a sandwich. See, I'm, sandwich has layers, right? I'm an expert in sandwiches, if you didn't know. I eat two every day. They're called peanut butter and jelly. If you haven't had one, I'd encourage you to try it out. Everybody asks me what my diet is, I just tell them, peanut butter and jelly. Sandwiches have layers. First layer in my sandwich, bread. Not just any bread. There's only one bread, according to Mandy, and that's the organic, multi-layered, multi-oat, multi-all-the-other-things bread. <laughs> so that's the bread we use. First layer, bread. Second layer, strawberry jelly. Organic <laughs> strawberry jelly, Stan. Has to be, has to have that O word in front of it. And the kind of peanut butter you got to stir up. If it's not that kind I used to sin, I used to do Jif. I've been redeemed of that. He's given me grace and I have now moved into the organic 
stir it up, peanut butter. Middle layer, peanut butter and strawberry jelly. Third layer, bread. So that makes me an expert in sandwiches. If you need to know more, we'll talk after service. I'll help you make a sandwich. But the thing is, is that leads me to, I think that's what Isaiah is doing here. He's using the most effective communication skill there is when you're going to tell somebody something they don't want to hear. It's called the sandwich method. You heard of it? All communication specialists use the sandwich method. My wife uses it to a T. First, you tell them something they want to hear. Second, you tell them something they don't really want to hear. Then you follow it right behind it with something they want to hear. And when you do that, it makes you an expert. Isaiah, I think he trademarked it. Top layer of the sandwich. The year of the Lord's favor. Yahweh has come to tell the people, he's come to tell you, through the prophet Isaiah, I see you. I see your brokenness. I see that you are heavy laden and broken by the wages of your sin. Psalm 103, 8. Psalm 145, 8 and 9. They echo the same exact thing verbatim. David must have thought this was important. The Lord is gracious and merciful, He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. The people of Judah, the Lord has come to give you his grace and his mercy, something you didn't earn, something you don't merit, something you don't deserve. He sees you in your humility and in your brokenness, and he's going to give you something. He's going to bind up your brokenhearted. That's what it says in Isaiah, we just read it. He's going to heal your broken heart. He's going to free you from the chains. You're no longer going to be slaves to sin. The year of the Lord's favor, a season of the Lord's favor. This middle layer, the middle layer of our sandwich. The day of the vengeance of our God. Wow, that kind of sounds a little scary. I bet their heart rate just started going, right? I mean... Uh, what happened to the favor? I thought we were doing pretty good there, Isaiah. Um, the thing is, is Isaiah 41 or 34 8. Isaiah 34 8 says, For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. God made it clear. He said, I made a covenant with you. If you break the covenant, vengeance will be required. The covenant requires both sides of the party to keep their end of the deal. And if it doesn't, there's an injustice. The covenant, we, we have broken the covenant against a holy and righteous God. This must have left the people wondering, how is Yahweh going to have his vengeance? You feel the weight of that? How? I mean, How? How is a just, holy, righteous God going to have his vengeance? We're going to come back to that. Let's keep making our sandwich. The third layer, to comfort all who mourn. Let's read Isaiah 31, 3 to 6. 
says, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, this is the third layer of our sandwich, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. This third layer is... You can hear God's peace kind of breaking in here. Is it right that the people are mourning? Is it right that they're lamenting? Yes. Yes. If you don't feel yourself mourning and lamenting your sin towards a holy and righteous God, we got other questions we need to be asking rather than what layer of the sandwich are we on. You must feel the weight of your sin. It says here that they had ashes. We don't really understand and have a true feeling of that. We don't often go grab ashes and rub it on our face to demonstrate our lamenting and our mourning. There is Ash Wednesday, and maybe you've participated in that, but that's not something that I would bet the majority of us here do on a regular basis. But it does lead me to a story He's not in here, but he'll hear it in second service. The curly-haired little one. His name's Corbin. Every year we go to a cabin, and it's at this cabin that one thing is required. We must make ash. It's called a fire. Lots of ash is required. That means the fire is burning when we get there. The fire stays burning while we're there. And as soon as we wake up, the fire starts, and it doesn't stop till we get done. Well, the thing is, is as the boys have gotten older, we've kind of let them learn how to get the fire going. And this particular morning, we had just finished breakfast. I was in there cleaning up, and the boy said, Dad, can we go get the fire going? We want to get the fire going. I mean, it's barely, still see the dew coming up off the yard. Sure, go out there. I poked my head out. You can still see the little bit of smoke there. It should be a pretty easy job to get it back going again. So I'm doing the dishes, looking out the window, making sure they're not doing anything stupid. Next thing you know, more smoke. Next thing you know, fire. They did it. Corbin comes back in. Dad, look. Look out the window. We did it. I told you we could do it. Face just covered black. <laughs> Couldn't even see his normal complexion. And I was like, Dude, what did you do? We got the fire going, Dad. Look. Look out the window. Great job, bud. But, like, come look in the mirror. Like, did you, like, rub your face in it to get it going? What'd you do? I mean, did you get, like, under the ashes to blow on the fire? So I brought him over to the sink and promptly washed the ashes off of his face. That's what God's doing right here. He says, I want to wash your face. I want to make that lamenting and that mourning go away. 
I want to comfort you. It says here to grant, better to console. We all know that when we're in a hard place, when we feel ourselves lamenting over our sin, when we get a word, when we read our Bible and it says, I see you, I know right where you are, I love you, I'm not going to leave you there. That's what he's saying to the people of Judah. That's what he's saying to you. I'm going to give you something you didn't earn. You don't deserve. You did not merit. I'm going to give you beauty for your ashes, an oil of gladness for your mourning, a spirit of praise for your faint-heartedness. And I'm going to plant you as oaks of righteousness so that when people see where I brought you from and where you are now, my glory will be put on display because of what I have done in you. And you're going to be my priests and you're going to be my ministers and there will be praise that rises up as people see what I have done in you. What a picture of restoration that Isaiah is proclaiming to the people. But we can't forget about the peanut butter and the jelly. The middle section of this sandwich. God's telling the people, look, I'm going to pour out my favor. There's going to be a season of favor. I see you. I know where you are. I'm going to restore you. You're going to be planted and my glory is going to be put on display through you. All that sounds wonderful, but Isaiah, what are you doing trying to squeeze this day of vengeance in between these two beautiful images? Why are you doing this? The people of Judah knew exactly what he was talking about. Turn with me, Leviticus, your favorite book, chapter 26. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. Leviticus 26. When the people of Judah heard the day of vengeance, there was no, no doubt. Their heart rate went up. They knew exactly what he was talking about. Leviticus 26, Bradley. Verse 14. But if you, this is God speaking, Yahweh speaking, if you, people of Judah, if you, Rez, will not listen to me, and if you will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if, you, if your soul abhors my rules, so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I, Yahweh, will do this to you. Skip down to 25. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall execute vengeance for the covenant. The people of Judah and all of humanity, including me and you, we've not kept our side of the covenant. We have not kept the Lord, our God, our one true and only God. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. 
So there's an injustice against a holy and righteous God, an injustice that must be paid. There's only one way it can be paid, and that's death. And it has to be paid at all at once on the day of vengeance. There's an issue here. There's Yahweh. He's the righteous judge. He made a covenant. He cannot change the rules of the covenant. He cannot go back on his word. He can't be like, ah, let's just tweak it a little bit. Let's put a little uh, undernote here. No, vengeance must be paid or else he would violate his character. And we know that that's not who he is. Psalm 33, verses 4 and 5. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. Psalm 37, 28. For the Lord loves justice. The other issue is the other side of the covenant is a sinful people who cannot pay back the injustice to a holy, righteous God. Cannot. Isaiah 61, verse 8, read with me. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Recognize the I. We've shifted from Isaiah prophesying what Yahweh is going to do to now what Yahweh says I am going to do. Did you hear it? He said, I love, I hate and I will. I love justice. I hate your repeated sin against me without any repentance. And I will faithfully provide. I will give the way for, the rec- for your recompense to be paid. And I will make an everlasting covenant that will never be broken. How does a God make an everlasting covenant with a sinful people who cannot pay the wage for their injustice against him? Feel it. Let it sit on you. It's heavy. How? God says, I love my people. I'm going to keep both ends of the bargain. That's how. I'm going to pay what you could never repay. I will provide the recompense. I will make an everlasting covenant. I don't know about you, but that doesn't happen in this world we live in. That's not what the justice system says should happen. The one whom the injustice is paid against should not meet the demand of the one in whom has caused the injustice. 
that's not justice on this world's terms. That's his grace. That's his mercy giving us something that we never deserved. So what's the outcome of this new covenant? Read with me in 7 through 9. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them the recompense. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. The outcome of Yahweh providing our recompense, Yahweh meeting both ends of the bargain, joy, everlasting joy. That's the only response. That's the only outcome. Our shame taken away, our dishonor taken away in a double portion of joy and a blessed offspring of the Lord. How? How is he going to do this? If that's the outcome... How is he going to do it? Yahweh said in Isaiah 53 last week, he's going to give a servant, Savior. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to point out a few things that help us to kind of connect the dots. Verse 4 through 11, just a few excerpts of it. Surely he has borne your griefs, carried your sorrow, you esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was pierced for your res, your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, you are healed. We are like sheep who have gone astray. We've turned away every one. That's the injustice And the Lord has laid on him all of our iniquity. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for the guilt, he shall see his offspring. That's what we just read in 61. We are his offspring because of what he has done Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. That's you. He's going to pay it. He's going to meet the demand that you couldn't meet, and he shall bear their iniquities. Yahweh is going to give the servant Savior as your recompense so that The injustice is paid. So what's our response? If that's how, what's our response? This new everlasting covenant, we'll see that in verses 10 to 11, but I just want to point out to you verses 1 to 7, Isaiah proclaiming. Verses 8, Yahweh speaking, this is what I'm going to do. 
continue the nine, verses 10 to 11. This is us. This is our part. Starting in verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Don't miss that. He has clothed me. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and the bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. The result of Yahweh meeting both ends of the bargain Praise. That's why we sang the song before I even started. You should feel right now your adoration for the holy and righteous God welling up inside of you, that he has met the demand that you couldn't. You should feel the praise rising up in you. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. To you be the praise and the glory, a praise that I could never stop singing because of what you have done. You did something that I could never do. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. To you be the praise. Now we know this prophecy had an immediate realization as Isaiah came and proclaimed and declared a season of favor and that righteousness and they would be brought out of their captivity and their enemies would be defeated, but there's an ultimate realization that we want to lean into. All of creation has been longing for the arrival, the advent, the coming of the one who is going to be the servant savior, the one who will pay the injustice to the creator We've all been waiting. Turn with me to Luke 4, verse 16 to Jesus speaking here, and he came, starting in verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. He went past Isaiah 7. He went past Isaiah 9. He went past Isaiah 53. And he came to Isaiah 61. The one we just read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is the long-awaited one. He is your servant, Savior. He's the one who was filled by the Spirit, sent by Yahweh to proclaim good news, the day of the vengeance, and to comfort you in your mourning. He's the one who came to balance the injustice, to pay the part that you could not pay, that you didn't earn, that you didn't merit, and that you don't deserve. He is the full expression for I, the Lord, love justice. He came to reestablish the everlasting covenant that could never be broken. John 3.16, don't quote it. For God so loved you that he gave, he sent, he granted to console you to tell you, I see you. I know right where you are. I know the injustice. I know you can't repay it. But I'm giving you something that you didn't earn, that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you my son, my only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not be crushed, should not be overwhelmed, should not be burdened by your sin and sentenced to death because that is the wages of your sin. Eternal separation from Yahweh. My son is going to pay the recompense that you can't pay so you can have everlasting life. So you can enjoy this new everlasting covenant. Let's don't stop there. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn you, He didn't come to put his thumb on you, to push you down, but in order that you might be saved through him. We only have one response, church. Stand with me. It's only fitting that we stand as we consider the Son of God, the truest expression of of God's love. I want to rehearse with you a little bit about we've spent four weeks talking about him coming. Isaiah 7 prophesied a child will be born. 
hope. Whose name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9, in the darkness, a light is breaking in. Peace. A child will be born. He will establish a kingdom that will never end. And peace will be the nature of this kingdom. Isaiah 53 We felt the joy as we heard Isaiah proclaim, Yahweh is going to pay. Yahweh will send the servant savior to do what you couldn't do. And it pleased him to crush him. And now we hear God say, I'm going to send my son to pay your injustice, your injustice against me. He is the fulfillment of all the prophecies. He is the full expression of the Father's love so you could enjoy everlasting life. I ask that you close your eyes as I say this prayer over you. And my hope is that your love grows and that you sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. You're worthy of it all. To you be all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. This prayer is in Ephesians 3. Paul prayed this prayer over the church of Ephesus, and I pray it over you. For this reason, I bow to my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love may be may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him, to him be the glory, to him be the honor, and to him be the praise throughout all generations, forever and ever. Dear God, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you're faithful. You're faithful in that you do what we cannot do. You see us right where we are. You don't leave us there. You give us your hope. You give us your peace. You give us your joy. You give us your love. 
Open our eyes to see your son as the full expression of your love. Thank you for the beauty that you've given us instead of our ashes. Thank you for the oil of gladness instead of our mourning. Thank you for the garment of praise. Thank you for the garment of salvation. Thank you for the robe of righteousness. Thank you, Father, for welling up inside of us a fountain of joy that springs forth like a garden springs forth. Lead us in that joy for what you have done that we could never do. Lead us in your righteousness and in your namesake so that we will be planted as oaks of righteousness. As people see us, they see you. And we will put your glory on display. Look what the Father has done through his Son for me. Lead us in that joy today. You're worthy of it all. To you be the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Resurrection Church. Please visit resfaith.com. That's R-E-Z faith.com, where you can find more sermon archives, learn more about our church, and find a place to give to our ministry. We'd be glad to hear from you. Drop us an email at connect at resfaith.com.